Y'all ready? Welcome in to the fifth dimension. The consumer self, a happiness machine. Monologue with your host, Devin McDermott. I want to welcome everybody in to the Fifth Dimension Podcast, where we are attempting to live more mindfully in the day-to-day. Quite simply, make this world a little bit of a better place. I'm your host, Evan McDermott. I want to thank you all for tuning in to this monologue. It's been a little while since I've done a monologue. been quite busy in the last couple of weeks. Just been doing a few interviews and, you know, haven't had time to truly research in-depth a particular subject for you guys. However... I recently come across a BBC documentary titled The Century of the Self, and it really, I'd say, touched a nerve, or it really spoke to me about this idea of living in a docile, consumeristic society and essentially becoming the consumer self. And I really felt that I needed to do a sort of review of it, synopsis, and incorporate how it pertains to today's world and i think so many people don't realize how we got to this point of where we are in our society and realistically the idea of us being in a desire culture as opposed to a culture of needs it's only been around for about a hundred years we've only been organizing ourselves in this way for the last century it stemmed from after World War One. I'll get into that a little bit, give a little bit of the backstory. I don't want to give away the whole documentary per se, but I'll give you guys the backstory to it because it's absolutely fascinating. Um, just to give you guys a little bit of a background on it, it's a 2002 BBC film documentary by Adam Curtis titled The Century of the Self. It is linked in the description of this podcast episode so you guys can easily find it. It is about four hours, four parts, um, but... That's what I was saying. It made me think of this idea that, you know, the quote by Krishnamurti says, It is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. Ultimately, when we're living in a docile, consumeristic economy, we are not free. We are not our true selves. We are simply pawns to be manipulated so the elite power structure can maintain itself and ultimately distract us and make us think Our identity is attached to purchasing individualistic products. Now, how it started is through Freudian psychology, believe it or not. Now, Freud, for those of you not familiar with his work, to sum it up very, very quickly in a sentence or two, which probably doesn't do him justice, but he believed that there was this unconscious lurking aggression and impulses within human beings and ultimately he believed that in masses that sort of needed to be controlled and that idea of controlling that aggression and impulses is something that we see repeatedly throughout this last century it sort of comes and goes and they get into that in the documentary but this is something that this impulse and aggression it was really taken in by those in power to sort of control the masses. Uh, Freud's nephew, Edward Bernays, who is ultimately considered the founder of public relations, kind of used Freud's idea to create uh, public relations, to create this whole field of what 
he even said propaganda is a negative connotation. So I'm going to phrase it as public relations. It's making people want things they don't need and in linking it to their unconscious desires that what lurks within them. And essentially what it does is it gives political control through consumerism, the all-consumer self. And when we're analyzing our own feelings, when we're getting in touch with our true self's needs, that is ultimately a threat to those who are in control. And essentially, when you begin to question yourself, you begin to question everything. Now, following World War One, this this started up in about the age in the 1920s and the go, the Roaring Twenties, you could say. We're back in the Roaring Twenties, uh, but Bernays believed after seeing World War One, if you could use propaganda for war in the sense that the United States government, for example, had this massive propaganda campaign to persuade the masses to support the war, he believed that you could use it in a time of peace. So he created the Council of Public Relations, and it was the first time, you know, this was going to be tried out in mass persuasion outside of wartime. And he felt that you could make money manipulating the unconscious desires of humans. And it sort of plays to people's irrational, aggressive emotions that link within. And... How he first tested this idea, uh, some of you may be familiar with this, uh, was the idea to persuade women to smoke. You know, smoking for women, it was very much previously taboo. It was something that women did not do because it sort of represented male sexual power. It was a way in which males had control over females. And, you know, 1920s, this is very much a time of women's suffrage. Women had just gained the, gained the right to vote in 1919. So Bernays sought to sort of have smoking be this symbolic way of, of finding equality to sort of go against this male sexual power. He called them torches of freedom. And through a protest, all these women lit up their cigarettes in the middle of this protest and all the papers covered it and what do you know smoking all of a sudden was associated with freedom and of course obviously thinking rationally about it smoking has absolutely nothing to do with equality but what Bernays was able to do was link that symbolic product to the emotional desires of women wanting freedom so if you can link irrelevant objects to an emotional desire you will be able to sell and you know the systems of mass production were flourishing after world war one you know we were mass producing goods and ultimately the question became what would happen when people had everything that they needed you know to sort of prevent an overproduction corporations started turning to Bernays after seeing this success because we needed to shift America from a needs to a desire culture desire needs to overshadow what it is we truly need if we want to live in a society that those at the head of the corporations can make a bunch of money so what did Bernays do he started began linking advertisement uh, with and our desires essentially to this lavish and luxury lifestyles celebrities we started seeing product placement through uh, radio, television, when they started happening, uh, magazines, and essentially, this was expressing your inner desires through material goods. That's sort of what was going on.
And this was very Freudian in a sense. And, for, and by the time we hit the late 1920s, right before the uh, Great Depression, there was an importance of the citizens were viewed as consumptions. Americans should eventually begin investing in stock markets as well. And this started in pol public relations, started showing up in politics. And Calvin Coolidge went from a joke to this calm, steady presence and loved by the Americans. So Bernays really became this huge figure in terms of linking what it is that our desires we have as human beings using it in a public relations standpoint and the ideas of humans being driven by unconscious desires made a need for what they called a new democracy you know humans were sort of incapable of making their own decisions and this led to that new elite to sort of manage the bewildered herd if you will you know and this was done through psychological techniques to manipulate all of the feelings of the masses now this sort of engineering of consent you know we were guided from above it was like this enlightened despotism you could say you know it was they were using it for the purpose of those in power we were constantly moving happiness machines we just needed to uh, keep consuming this consumer self economic prosperity was how to run a democracy and you know how do we fuel our civilization well it's we keep stimulating that irrational self through consumerism and freud recognized this and leaders such as hitler recognized this of mass control and roosevelt took many of these tactics tactics as well with his new deal and we sort of saw utopia through free market capitalism beginning to emerge and we sort of became passive consumers now the idea that humans needed this structure was only strengthened after World War II because of Hitler and the Holocaust. The psychological impulses that exist within all of us, they felt that there needed to be this sort of control. And we start seeing psychoanalysis and more Freudian psychology um, coming into play here. Almost all corporations had psychoanalysis on board to sort of figure out how to control and sell to particular needs but we also see psychoanalysis being marketed in the sense that it was being used by ordinary americans with the help of psychologists to sort of strengthen our ego and essentially push away from our emotions and impulses and those sort of neurotic uh, things that go with it and so essentially there was never really a question of reality nobody questioned is this reality we're living in evil we sort of just found uh, our neurotic impulses met through an externalization of consumer goods now going into the 1950s this is a very quick synopsis by the way everything i just explained was two full hours worth of material so if you're intrigued it is it is a fascinating fascinating documentary which is why i'm talking about it but I encourage you guys to go watch this because it is mind-blowing and it only gets more mind-blowing as you keep going uh, Bernays in the 1950s he started manipulating the public's fears into the Cold War as well so we sort of see it integrating into the politics you know you're not trying to get rid of fear necessarily and we you're sort of playing into it 
uh, the Red Scare, communism, American values were being threatened, you know, propaganda news. You could argue this is the start of fake news. He literally created news agencies that would report false stories. Um, so, and you, you can look up the history of Guatemala as well and sort of how they lied about there being a Soviet outpost there as well. And we ended up toppling their government for what other reason than our own materialistic gain. You know, there was this sickness in society and it was not because of individual people, it, but the consumerism was feeding ourselves desires and we weren't necessarily repressing it, you know. Consumerism was keeping the masses docile. You know, it allows the governments to sort of corruptly rule and engage in this imperialistic venture, sort of corruptly make money off of the backs of what you could argue to be slave labor. labor. And, you know, this only has continued through today. Uh, a big ideological shift sort of to sort of take place during the counterculture movement and I'm, I know many of you are familiar with counterculture you know 1960s and counterculture you know sort of this repression of the left through uh, violence of the state right They're, they the counterculture movement was all about free thinking free expression and because of that they faced immense immense violence and just immense uh, what's the right word you could say repression and oppression from our government state because it was a threat to the consumeristic way of life we realized you know when you begin to seek valid self-expression you begin to think outside of a conditioned consumer mindset and a lot of people from the counterculture movement you know it started off as very much a political movement but once they started getting that violence uh, placed against them, it sort of turned into, all right, it might be impossible to overthrow the government. So since I can't overthrow the government, the only way to do it is to change on my myself. You know, all of these new ideas would eventually come together in fruition. And political activism is not required because when the collective consciousness changes into this counterculture ideas that is when we can change political and essentially it's the idea you can't change political ideologies without changing your own personal ideologies and this essentially freed oneself from the controls implanted by society and this was this new powerful self and it was strong enough to sort of overthrow the new world order the idea of self-exploration and self-actualization you know we throw these terms around even now you know you no longer need to behave as this perfect consumer and it was in a sense very politically radical initially to do this um, however this idea of individuality and self-actualization was actually able to be marketed off of by the corporations once they learned how individuality uh, it can be played into a consumeristic ideology as well. Uh, Warner Ed Erhard, he was actually sort of, you can think of him like a Tony Robbins, he was sort of a prophet off of individuality movement. And he was saying only individuality matters and you don't need to sort of be concerned with society and thinking about yourself is your highest duty. And I think we can all agree with this. 
And if we're happy with ourselves, does changing society necessarily matter? You sort of get that question. Um, However, for many people, when you have that individuality and you're looking for something more, you're looking to be the best version of yourself, a lot of times we don't know where to look. And so what happened was using teams of psychoanalysis and psychologists and using sort of the idea that there's a void for a lot of these people and a lot of these people want to be self-actualized and freed from society capitalism and corporations ultimately stepped in to fill that void the corporations began using maslow's table and hierarchy of needs to see what it was that people were feeling inside and they used that to direct consumer product you know, you had categorization of people into lifestyles. You hear different lifestyle molds being thrown around. You could be asked a survey with 15 questions and automatically a corporation could place you into one of 12 specific lifestyles. And then what they do is they market that product based off of the lifestyle and it's very simple. And when you have these lifestyle groups, they're gonna buy specific products. They market to the underlying values of people instead of a mass production system and ultimately this idea of individualism and this idea of individual choice and lifestyle also starts spilling into politics i mean ronald reagan uh he was he was the first in america we have margaret thatcher and ronald reagan reagan was saying let people rule individualistic politics a lot of these counterculture you could say hippies who are sort of peace, love, and activism, they voted for Reagan because they viewed in as individualism. You know, essentially you're satisfying your wants and desires through free market and individual choice. People are no longer divided by social class, but by social needs. And that's playing directly into Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And that is still how people vote in terms of politics. You sort of see this merging of consumerism capitalism politics all in a sense promoting this larger sense of self you know products sell you values and products sell you particular lifestyles candidates give you particular lifestyles you know you can sort of buy an identity as opposed to creating your own which is the point of true self-expression and this was sort of done unconsciously and it was very much a manipulative you could say brainwashing technique using advanced level psychology to crack into the minds of the masses and essentially you know when you have a lack of self you sort of become the products you buy you know there's if there's a lack of self-exploration it leads to a particular consumeristic mindset because it's what's fed to us and essentially people rebelling against conformity uh was sort of business's greatest opportunity you could say because they were able to take that non-conformity and create conformity from it which is just absolutely mind-blowing and we don't necessarily think about how that gets done and 
you know, at the same time, we sort of see an intertwining of advertisement and news with purchasing of products and all of the corporations, politics, it's all becoming merging into one. And at the same time, Ronald Reagan sort of starts to have this rugged individualistic mindset in the sense that a denial of compassion for other human beings sort of becomes a respectable thing. You know, you've worked hard, you've earned it. And essentially, only the reason Democrats regained power was because they sort of came to terms with the idea of individualism or disregarding of a working class. Uh, you know, poor elitism is sort of created by individualism. Even if you aren't this well-off financially person you have individual choices and you are what matters most there is no compassion there is no oneness and spirituality within our politics and anytime you're truly going through a self-explorative path of down you know trying to become self-actualized you become in direct contact with your morality and you realize there is more to this world than your own individualistic consumer needs and so when you realize that, it's like, where is there a place for me in this society? I don't know. So, I mean, you can even look at today. At the same time, they don't want to talk about policies, but they focus on emotions. Bill Clinton's campaign was solely focused on the emotional wants and desires of the people electing him. You know, you can even say the same thing about Trump. Trump focused on the feelings, desires of the forgotten class in America. People are afraid of immigrants. Well, let's say immigrants are scary and we're going to deport them. Or we're going to build a wall. You know, it's the same thing. It's not substance of policies, but emotion. What is uh, that? Sells emotion. So at this point, democracy is nothing more than pandering to primitive, selfish desires of the collective. And this only is going to continue today. You know, true freedom is only achievable from detaching your constructed identity from products to something more deeper. You know, with individuality, you need to find ways ex to express yourself outside of what society has presented for you. You know, rugged individualism in a sense and relying on external forces for validation is going to fe leave you feeling nothing but despair and ultimately making you narcissistic to be Put it bluntly, you know, we sort of need a revolution of what it means to be an individual. And this revolution, it will not be televised. You're going to have to stray away from the status quo as to what brought you here. You know, for me, meditation uh, has been a practice for me in which I'm practicing self-awareness and it sort of allows me a defense from the cognitive distortions and compulsions of societal conditioning of consumerism. So we need a revolution of thought. We need a revolution of free thinking. We need a revolution of ideologies. And we need to start straying away from what it means to truly live in a free society. Because chances are you're not free. Believe it or not. I know it's sad. I, th I really thought I was free for a while too. But we're not really free. We're simply stuck in this corporative mindset and this is what worries me about the 2020 election as well trump is going to play the same game of emotion and you know bernie sanders has all these great policies which would make the world better but it's what is he doing for the individualistic desire 
for a lot of people. And that's something you have to play to with the masses when you're being spoon-fed all this information because those in power will do anything to keep it. Go and watch this documentary. It's in the description below. I don't want to spoil the whole thing because, I mean, that's not a cool thing to do. I feel like I gave a decent, not well, decent enough synopsis to where you have an idea as to what it's about, but it's four hours of raw, beautiful, well, not beautiful, scary, but raw, true filmmaking in the sense that it shows that where we are as a society and you know, it it was in 2002, so it was almost 20 years old, but it's very easily connectable to what is going on now. And I think it should be required education for every single person in this country. So that's all. That's really all I got for this uh, monologue. Pretty much a 20-minute rant. Um, here's how you can help the show. Give us a rating, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your listening platform may be. Share the show with your best friend, whoever that may be. Share it with somebody who you think maybe buys too much stuff or is looking for self-actualization through consumeristic mindset because we do not need that now, do we? Um, but yeah, share the show and be sure to check out uh, Explorers Guild new YouTube page. Uh, first video coming out on, let's see, Friday, February 14th, Valentine's Day Ooh, for all the honeys. Um, but yeah, so check us out there. And find me on Instagram at Evan McDermott at the Fifth Dimension Podcast. Fifth Dimension Podcast also now has a Twitter uh, at the 5D Podcast. You can also just type in Fifth Dimension Podcast. You'll see it. And yeah, that's all our social media handles. So TikTok, forgot about TikTok. Uh, I'm telling you, future of social media is on TikTok. So get on there, follow at Evan McDermott. And with that, I'm going to give thanks to everybody listening. Give thanks to the usual suspects, Roundtree, Clark Silva, Ian McDermott, and you, the listener. So with that, I'm going to wrap up this podcast. So thanks for listening.